Weekend Church family. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Tyler Whitmer. I'm the college and adult pastor here at Living Hope. Me and Pastor David had typically split preaching responsibility over in our chapel venue, but it is always an honor to get to come before you and to, to teach from God's Word. I want us to do something a bit different this morning, and maybe something that not all of us are comfortable with. There'll be multiple times throughout this sermon in which I'm going to ask questions, and I want you to to reflect on those questions. I want you you to take a moment, as I ask them, I want you to ask them of yourselves. I want you to ponder, reflect. I just wanted you to know that up front this morning, that there will be a bit of a group participation, a little introspection on all of our behalf. So, with that being said, if you have a Bible, go ahead and flip open with me to Jeremiah chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat underneath of you or the pew in front of you. Jeremiah chapter 6, Old Testament prophets. A little bit about Jeremiah. He preached for 42 years. 42 years that he was a prophet to the people of Israel through the reign of five different kings. And those 42 years just continued to get worse. All of his preaching career, all of his preaching ministry was preaching to a people that were not walking after the Lord in obedience. And it's Jeremiah proclaiming, come back, follow the Lord. In fact, they would put him in prison multiple times for for just saying what God had given him to say to his people. In fact, Jeremiah 20, verse 9, in Jeremiah 20, uh, they come to him and look, we'll let you out of prison if you just stop proclaiming God's word. If you just stop saying these things, and he says in Jeremiah 20, verse 9, he says, if, if you ask me to speak of him no longer, he's like a fire shut up deep within my bones, and I am weary of holding him in, and indeed I cannot. Jeremiah had a message from God to give to a people that didn't want to hear it. It's very unlike some of the other prophets that we see in the Old Testament. Jonah, for example, gets a message from the Lord, flees from it. You guys know the story. Ends up in a whale. Praise gets spit out of the whale, goes to Nineveh, that great city with the message that God had him to proclaim, and very reluctantly, I imagine, proclaimed, repent for destruction is at hand, and the people of Nineveh all repented, and the king put out an edict, and even the animals fasted. But Jeremiah's ministry was much different. He was going to a people of Israel that had departed from the way they were supposed to go. They had started walking down another path, seeking after things that would not satisfy them, seeking after what was culturally accepted and celebrated, but what led to destruction. Things like false idols, and while they may have on the outside appeared religiously sound, their hearts were far from God and they were not following Him with obedience. In fact, if you go back, chapters 3 through 6 of Jeremiah are pretty harsh rebukes at times from God towards his people, Israel. As I was praying through what God would have me preach over this morning, I I kept coming back to this text because I think it's so important as we start the new year. So I'd ask that you stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read Jeremiah 6, verse 16. Then I'm going to pray and ask God to bless our time, and then we're going to unpack this together. I'll read Jeremiah 6, verse 16. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look, and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it, and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Let's pray together. 
God, we do ask that you would bless our time together this morning. God, that we would, each and all of us, humble ourselves beneath the authority of your word. That, God, even now you would begin to give us ears to hear and eyes to see the truth that you would have us to learn from your word this morning. God, transform us from the inside out. Convict us. Allow us to look more like your son, Jesus, and to follow him in obedience. So we pray these things. We trust these things in your son's strong name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I don't know about you, but the week of New Year, really a few weeks before New Year, is a time of introspection, right? Where, we're, where we start to ask ourselves questions like, how this past year go? What could I have done better? What are the goals I'm going to make this year? We start making plans, right? I'm going to do this, or I'm not going to do this. New Year, New You, right? But we live in a culture that is obsessed with new, aren't we? We want the new fad, the new gadget, the new plan, the new whatever it is, and we mistakenly assume that because it is new, that it is in some way better, or we can mistakenly think that because it's new, it's in some way going to satisfy us. The logic goes something like this. Well, that last thing that I had that I thought would satisfy me didn't, so maybe this new thing that I think will satisfy me actually will. Or said another way, if I can just get more of this stuff that's making me unhappy, then I'll actually be happy or satisfied. So I'm not satisfied with money, but maybe if I got more of it, I would be satisfied. I'm not satisfied with my iPhone, but maybe if I got the new iPhone X, I would finally have satisfaction in certain desires of your heart. But really, I want you to think, right this moment, if you got everything that you earthly desired, would that be enough? I don't think you need to hear it from me. I think it's pretty easy to determine, but maybe we were not meant to be satisfied by the things of this world. C.S. Lewis says that if I find in myself a desire which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. I pray that you feel that. That deep dissatisfaction in our souls that shows us this world is not our home. That we are sojourners in this place. We are constantly seeking satisfaction in things that were not designed to satisfy us. We desire what we think will make us happy, but in doing so, only deceive ourselves. We need to turn to God, following His ways, and in doing so, find rest. Soul-level rest. But oftentimes, we can even get busy chasing things like progress, thinking it will lead to satisfaction. I have to counsel college and young adult students through this all the time. I think it starts somewhere in high school, maybe, or maybe even younger, where high school students will come to me and think, if I can just get to college, then I will finally be happy. I'll finally be satisfied. And then I talk to college students who are like, if I can get that job, then I'm finally going to be satisfied. And I'm talking to the ones who have the job who are like, if I can just get married, then I'm finally going to be satisfied. Or if you're married, it might be, if I can just have children, those children are going to bring me satisfaction. Or if you're in here right now with children, it might be, if we can just get these kids out of our house and independence, then we're finally going to be satisfied. Or, or maybe it's if you're already if you're already living that and you're, and you're already in that stage, or maybe it's retirement for you, and you just think, if I can get to retirement, I'm going to be satisfied. My, my wife and I, Alicia, we just drove back yesterday. We spent a few days with my grandparents down in Florida, and uh, it's essentially like a, a retirement home 
community where my grandparents go for the winter, and we were with a bunch of snowbirds, right? People who have retired there, they're in paradise, still dissatisfied. So maybe we're chasing the wrong thing. So instead of chasing our own way, our own desires, let's take a moment and stop and ask ourselves some questions. I fear we don't just take time to stop and consider enough. So this new year, consider, what path are you walking on? What path are you walking on? God says through His Word here to His people, stand. Jeremiah 6.16, thus says the Lord, stand. As if to say, stop moving. Think, reflect, assess where you at. What are you after? Where is that headed? What road, what path are you on? Stand. Stop. Reflect. Back in 2012, me and a group of nine guys, seven of us were biking, did a bike trip for, for the Alzheimer's Association. We biked from International Falls, Minnesota, down to Key West, Florida. This was back when I was in shape. I should make that clear. But we did this bike ride about 3,300 miles or so, and on the on the morning of the hardest day that we were going to have, we were going to have our hardest climb. We were going to climb Mount Eagle. So going into the Chattanooga area in Tennessee back in 2012, that summer was exceedingly hot. Even in the morning, it was crushingly hot and humid. We we. We started up this mountain, and it took us about an hour and a half to get up it. By the time we got up it, heart pounding, you know, already exhausted, the van that we were supposed to be in went another 25 miles up so that we could meet that van and have lunch and restock on some water and some snacks and things like that. We were doing typically 70 miles a day. And so that morning, we climbed the hardest mountain, and we we get to the top, and we celebrate, and we start to think, okay, where are we supposed to go next? And I was the navigator for the seven of us. On my phone, I had the GPS. And so I start taking us down this way. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to this area, but there's not a lot out there on the back roads, kind of in the sticks a little bit. And so we get on this road that I am assured is the correct road. Like, I've got my GPS in front of me, says that I'm on the right road. Well, we get about three or four miles into this road, and it turned to gravel. And now, some of you are like, yeah, stop. You're on a road bike. And and that's what we should have done. But instead of stopping, I was like, no, guys, this is the right road. I'm sure of it. And so we just continued the seven of us on. And two miles on a gravel road is kind of a grunt. Like, it's, it's... Drudgery, Like, you're going so slow compared to normal. Your tires are really harmful for your bike. And so these seven guys, or these six other guys and me are following me on this road that I thought for sure was right. About two miles into that gravel road, some guys stopped and said, you know what, we're not going to continue on with you anymore. This is not the right way. We're going to stop here, and we're probably going to turn back which should have been a great sign for me that I was on the wrong road, but for whatever reason, in my pride, thinking, no, I'm the navigator, I've gotten it this far, we're going to continue on down this road. So me and two other guys following me went another 
several miles down this gravel road, just the three of us, and then that gravel road turned into a dirt road, and at this point, just chasing pride, my GPS said I was on the right road after all, so we continue on that dirt road for a few more miles, that dirt road turned into a forest, and I was dead set that we were on the right road, and so we got off our bikes, and we started pushing them through the forest, and I thought to myself, surely it's going to come to a clearing, and the road's going to be there, and I will have been correct. I'll have been right. So we kept pushing. About a mile and a half into this forest, uh, we come to a cliff. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, like 70 feet below us is the road that we were to have been on the whole time. And it was crushing, right? It was like, oh no, my pride completely out the window. We had been on the wrong road the whole time, and there was the right road, right in front of us. So what started off as a simple error, 15 miles later, plenty of warning signs later, was pretty costly to us. Doug Tompkins, the founder of Patagonia, once said this, in response to those who say you can't go back, what happens when you get to the cliff and you take one step forward? Or do you do a 180-degree turn and take one step forward? Which way are you going? Which way is progress? See, when we got to that cliff, we couldn't go down it, so the only way to progress was to turn around and go back the way that we had come. So we turned around and started to head back, filled with frustration, pride, head low. Had I stopped and actually reflected for a moment and thought about it, I would have maybe realized that I had gotten off trajectory, and trajectory is important. Now, if you're a few degrees off, say we're flying from Nashville to Louisville, if you're a few degrees off on that flight, you're probably going to be able to correct it pretty quickly because the distance is pretty short. But let's say that we're going a longer distance. Let's say that we're flying from Nashville to East Asia, like China. If you're off a few degrees on that flight, where are you going to end up? Your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. But it's probably not going to be in China. So then we need to heed the warning of God through Jeremiah, and we need to stand. We need to stop moving, stop chasing earthly desires, and we need to seriously reflect on what path are we walking on. Hannah Arden once wrote that we need to think what we are doing, saying that the problem of our modern age is thoughtlessness. We live busy lives, and our thoughtlessness allows us to continue to be carried along in the currents of an unreflective Arden's thoughts echo Jeremiah's stop, look, think, pay attention. When you ask almost anyone today, how are you, if they don't give you the typical, oh, I'm fine, answer immediately, they might say something to the extent of, I'm so busy, right? And we, we, we kind of expect that answer. We, we like having the ability to say, you know, I've just been so busy. It's almost like we wear it as a badge of honor. And at the same time, we hide behind that busyness as a means of never having to stop and reflect, take stock in how things are actually going or where we are actually headed. Think and be honest with yourself for a moment. When is the last time that you got away in complete and utter silence and solitude, just you and God, and reflected there for a period of time? Now think back. When was the last time you did that and had no means of communication at all? Like your smartphone's not in the same area, you're not near any computers, because then you're not really alone, are you? We live in a culture that is scared to stop, scared to reflect, and scared to stand. 
you don't believe me next time, or even when you leave today, when you're at a red light, look around at the cars around you, because I can guarantee most people will be texting even at a red light. We don't even like to stop for a moment and reflect on our thoughts at a red light anymore. We're constantly seeking busyness. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. In Jeremiah's day, these ancient paths were to the people of Israel, the Mosaic Law and Covenant. They were the path that the people of Israel had been on for quite some time, but for the people of Jeremiah's day, they had to ask how to get back to it. The people of God needed to repent, literally turn around, and start back towards the path they knew but had forgotten. They needed to stop chasing the things of this world and begin again to chase the one who created this world. Chase after God. Why? Well, his word tells us. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient past where the good way is and walk in it. Why? And find rest for your souls. Because the only way that we're going to find rest for our souls is to turn back and to follow God. It's the only way that the people of Israel were going to find rest for their souls was to turn back and to follow God. So then, question two that I want us to reflect on this morning is this. Are you finding rest? Are you finding rest? Because the path that leads to God is one that is full of rest and peace that transcends the things we strive after in this world. Jesus says this about the distinction of paths. I think it's similar to Jeremiah's. Jeremiah's saying, look, Israel, if you continue down this path, leads to destruction. If you continue this path back to God, it will lead to life. Listen to Jesus in Matthew 7. He says this, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. This is the same distinction that Jeremiah is making. And so how will we know the right way? Well, Jesus tells us the way, and he shows us the way. Our public reading of Scripture this morning was from John 14. Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. None come to the Father except through me. So the good way, the one that leads to rest for our souls, is the one in which we are following Jesus in obedience. The one in which we are walking not in our own strength of our own ability, or trying to chase down fleeting happiness, but one in which we are following after Jesus and the immense joy that his gospel brings. On this path, we are no longer happy to look for things to find satisfaction in. We're completely satisfied in Jesus. And on this way, we are no longer seeking to find our identity in other things because our identity is firmly placed in Jesus. I remember when I was young, I don't know about you all, but I went through several We'll call them phases when I was a kid. So I can kind of break them down for you quickly. Uh, ages uh, birth through six, I call it my bull cut phase. That's just kind of who I was. Uh, started picking up after that, though. I had like this phase where I thought that my whole life was wrapped around me being a soccer player. So I was like Tyler the soccer player or Tyler the skater, Tyler the emo kid. And I would get home every day and I would kind of look at myself in the mirror and I would stop and ask myself, is this me? Is this who I am? I remember even when I came to Christ at the age of 16, I I didn't really know how to piece this all together. But I remember somewhere around my freshman year of college, 
I started kind of piecing this together. I am no longer Tyler, the soccer player. Tyler, the kid who was born in a broken home. Tyler, the kid who wasn't very good at school. Tyler, the kid who grew up in a meth house. I wasn't any of those things. I was Tyler, child of the one true king. I was Tyler, adopted child of God. And I will tell you, in that I found so much rest for my soul. And I realized it wasn't a culmination of how hard I could work, how clean I could make myself look, but I recognized my identity, my rest, is in the sovereignty of God and His great sacrifice on our behalf. I realized that it was not about what I could do, but what Christ had done. I realized that it was not about who I had been, but about who Christ was and who I was becoming because of His work. Suddenly, the words of Jesus sprang to life to me. They were tangible. I could feel them. His words when he says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I, I think he actually had Jeremiah in mind here. Follow after Jesus, find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are you finding rest? Have you experienced the rest of the completed work of Christ? Have you given your life to Him and are you following after Him in obedience? I think Jesus gives us another example of this in Luke chapter 15. I'm sure it's a story that you all know very well. It's the story of the prodigal son. The younger son comes to the father and says this, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. See, the younger son thought, if I can just have my inheritance now, if I can just live the way that I want to live right now, I will find rest in being able to pursue my earthly plan, my earthly desire." And he shipwrecked his life. Didn't recognize that his desires, his plans were leading him to destruction. This is what I pray for this morning. Verse 17 in Luke 15 says this. But when he came to himself, right, when he was at that road, he stood and he reflected and he thought and he assessed, what am I after? He thought this. How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? He, he assumed that if he returned home that he would find some rest. But that's not the end of the story, is it? Because when he returns home, he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. See, when we're standing on that cliff and we see the actual good road beneath us, our immediate assumption is, is that there's going to be some rebuke and turning around and going back back towards it, but what we see in the prodigal son story is that the father runs to us in that moment. He gives us his love, his compassion. We get to follow after him. So we have rest for our souls when we turn from the things of this world and follow after Christ in obedience. But then this draws us to our final 
question of this morning. This new year, I want you to consider, will you follow God's path or your path? We follow God's path or your path. Because look what the people of Israel said. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But the people of Israel said this, we will not walk in it. The people of Jeremiah's time had grown adamant that they would not repent and follow after the way of God. Ultimately, this led to their downfall. So then the question remains with us this morning. Will you follow after your own path, constantly trying to find fulfillment in these things that were never meant to satisfy you, especially at a soul level, or will you stand, reflect for a moment, where is this current path taking you? We also see the, the need to discuss this morning what it means to walk on this good path, what it means to follow after God in this way. See, God has given us a means by which we can grow in our relationship with Him for our good and for His glory. Suddenly then, the spiritual disciplines transform from checkboxes to means by which we experience and have relationship with God. So we don't just do these things out of religiosity. They are not the means of salvation. Jesus is the means of salvation. These are the means of relationship. These are what we do from salvation and not for it. Things like reading our Bible. We have the inspired Word of God that we can read and we can know more of who He is and who He says He is according to it. I went to a, with a few other pastors to this disciple-making conference uh, earlier this year, and while we were there, uh, there were several groups of you know people telling us how to make disciples better. And one of the groups that you know we have found through all of our statistics and all of our studies that disciples grow best when they are reading the Bible for themselves. Someone took time to study the fact that the Bible grows disciples when it tells us it grows disciples. Like, should we be surprised that when we read God's Word, we, we grow more into His likeness? His Word tells us that. So what's your plan to get into the Word this year? Also, we have praying and meditating. So when are you going to set aside time for prayer and silence in this new year? I know that Jason's going to talk more about this at a later time, and I think it's important. But fasting is another one of the spiritual disciplines. And when Jesus refers to fasting in the New Testament, he says, when you fast, not if. Right? So there, there's these things that we, we get to do. We get to experience the, the, the walk with God in these things and through them. They become glorious rhythms and patterns that God has given us that we may walk with him. So as you are at the crossroads of this new year and are undoubtedly asking yourself what ways that this new year is going to change, ask yourself, how are you going to grow closer to the one who brings rest for your soul this year? Instead of new year, new youth, start to think about what are these ancient paths? What are these, what does this old way forward look like? I think that we are far too easily pleased in following after our distractions. C.S. Lewis says this, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. 
like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. I find so often in my own life, I am far too easily pleased in trying to trudge through a forest, making my own path. When I need to stop, reflect, stand, and ask, where this, where is God leading us in this? Matthew 11, again, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. As we continue to, to worship this morning, as, we, as Rand comes back up and he's going to lead us in another song, I realize this tendency in us, uh, when, when we hear a song that we may not be familiar with, we may already in our minds start to close our Bibles and kind of turn off mentally and start to think, where am I going to eat lunch? What's this going to look like? Got to get to the car? All those types of things. And those are all fine things. But when, when Rin comes back up here in a moment and we, and we start to worship to this song, I want you to reflect on the lyrics. And furthermore, I want you to ask yourselves these questions just in kind of silent reflection, some introspection. What path are you on? Are you finding rest? And will you follow God's path or your path? Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much that we get to follow after you, or that you have made a way for us to follow you through the life and death and resurrection of your son, Jesus, God, that whoever places their faith in him can follow this path that you have made for us and find rest for our souls, a rest that transcends any earthly happiness or satisfaction, but transcends all of these things. So God, may we find that rest and we seek after you in obedience, Lord. We love you. We trust you. In your son's name we pray, God. Thank you.